0: Hi friends, Fred Harrell here. Thanks for tuning in to the weekly City Church Sermon Podcast. Just a note that as we continue to shelter in place here in San Francisco, we will be bringing you our Sunday Sermon audio recording via Skype over a Facebook Live broadcast. So if the audio quality seems like a little lower than normal, then now you know what's happening. We just wanted you to know. You can join us on Facebook Live each Sunday at 10 a.m. Thanks for listening and subscribing to our podcast.
1: The scripture reading today is from the Gospel of John, chapter 9. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, it is he. Others were saying, no, but it is someone like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, He is a prophet. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, you were born entirely in sins and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? He answered, and who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. The word of the Lord.
0: Let us pray. Gracious God, we ask that you would meet with us as we gather together in our families or in our apartments with either ourselves or with others, that we would know right now that you have indeed um, made this moment for us and that you have something you want us to hear, something you want us to trust, something to surrender to, that you have seen to it, and that we can trust you. Give us grace today to believe that you have created this moment for us. Give us grace to believe that you see us in all of our beauty and all of our complexity and all of our brokenness and fragmentation, and you always move towards us to restore, heal, and renew, and we pray that you do that now as we gather together. In Christ's name, amen. friends, when I was a child, um, one of my favorite television shows was Romper Room. I don't know how many of you have ever heard of Romper Room before, but there was a woman on this show. It was all childhood, um, child education stuff. And uh, at some point, her name was, I think, Miss June. And uh, she would take a mirror and she would look into the mirror and she would tell all the children that she could see them. And then she would start listing them by name. I see Mary, I see Tommy, I see Sally, I see John and so on and so forth. As an aside, I'd never heard the name Fred ever, which is a bummer. Um, I say that to my wife, Torelli, and she's like, do you think they ever said Torelli? I don't think so. Um, But it still was so soothing to know that I believed it as a little kid, she saw me anyway. And I wish it were true now, I wish I could see all of you. I wish I could see all of you, and I miss seeing all of you. Um, our hope and prayer, as a church, is to provide you as many ways as possible for you to be seen, for you to be pursued by Jesus, as we pursue each other during this time. It's a friend of mine told me a few days ago on the phone. He said, "You know, this is a a time of physical distancing. That's a better way of putting it." Because it has to be and needs to be a time of social and spiritual solidarity. And so with that in mind, we're looking at this story today in John chapter 9. It was already the scheduled text that we were going to be preaching on It's a part of the Revised Common Lectionary. And the psalm assigned for today is Psalm 23, and Carl's going to be seeing that after the sermon. Um, Both of them are well suited to the moment that we are living in. I know as a child, I committed Psalm 23 to memory, and, uh, and I found myself going back to it during these days. Maybe that'd be a great thing for us to all do as a church, something to do in solidarity would be all of us to com- commit to memorizing Psalm 23 and knowing that we are all each day meditating on that. Um, but let's look to this story. In part one, it was going to be kind of a part one, part two, or scene one, scene two, scene three as we go through this narrative. Um, the first thing is we have this man born blind in the work that Jesus does. So it says there right out of the gate, he saw a man blind from birth. Jesus, again, always sees the person in need. He sees the person no one else wants to look at. He sees the person that people want to go by and not see themselves. He noticed, noticed throughout this, in fact, how Jesus sees and pursues in this story. And just know that just as Jesus sees and pursues this blind man, Jesus sees and pursues you. So the disciples then ask us what I would call kind of a dark question. The question is, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? For these disciples, it's really a completely natural and extremely common question to ask. They need an explanation. Why is that? They want to console, I would say, Their own anxieties and fears and blaming others is one way of doing that. And before we think these disciples are primitive or unevolved, let's admit the fact that we do this, too. This is part of how humans act and behave. Here's how the narrative works internally. This bad thing has happened to this person or these people because they're bad people. And to assure ourselves that nothing bad can happen to us, we come up with a system by which we say, well, something bad happened to that group, that nation, those people, that person. It must be that somehow they deserve it. Because if the undeserving have bad things happening to them, then that can happen to me. And I can't tolerate that idea. And so I must come up with a system where I can blame the sufferer for their own suffering. If you want to read an Old Testament story on this, and what God thinks of this sort of counsel, you could start with the book of Job. See, we want to believe good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people, but sometimes the worst things happen to the best people, like Jesus, for instance, and like so many right now who are suffering around the globe. So Jesus answers the dark question with this. Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Jesus reduced the blindness to a morally neutral fact of birth that God will use for revelatory purposes. And what Jesus does next is pure theater. Jesus could have just commanded sight. You realize that. He could have just said, see, but he doesn't. What does Jesus do? He could use water, but no, he uses his own spit spit and dirt to make mud jesus insists on on making all that is physical sacred even spit is sacred remember that the next time you fall asleep on the airplane with drool coming out of your mouth And he takes the mud and he rubs it on the man's eyes and sends him to the south part of the city to a pool of Siloam or the scent one or the the pool called Scent, which you can actually visit to this day. He washes and he comes back seeing healed. Now, as we shelter in place for this, look for this tendency to blame in yourself. I wonder how many healing conversations we might need to have with others as this pandemic reminds us that we are all interconnected and all in need of grace. How might we develop new empathy, compassion, and with new eyes, obsessed not on blaming, but on extending mercy, grace, and the light that shines in the darkness? Is it possible that this moment of pandemic might give birth to something new in you? Or is it already? How is it impacting the way that you see yourself in the world? I'm already hearing from people who say they are seeing all sorts of new things, wanted or not. Pay attention to that in the coming weeks. Scene two is the interrogations. Jesus has disrupted the status quo, as Jesus tends to do. And so now come what I would call the interrogations of this man. What has happened? We have The neighbor saying, who is is this? Isn't this the person that we used to see begging and blind? Another person says, well, I think it looks like him, but I'm not sure. And all the while, you have this man sitting there saying, I am the man. Can you feel the frustration of the man born blind? They cannot see this man for what he is now, but only for what he used to be. That's a lesson in that. See, instead of celebrating the man's sight, they are terrified to accept his transformation. And then the religious leaders, they throw a flag on the whole scenario, despite the man's ability to see, because this was done on the Sabbath. Jesus' favorite day to provoke and irritate the religious leaders. You don't see Jesus doing a lot of these things on Tuesday, but on the Sabbath. And so they're upset about that. Uh, the man born blind now says simply, he is a prophet. So he's gone from being a man to a prophet. this watch the intentional progression of that. And now the parents are called in. See, not allowing marginalized people to speak for themselves has a long history. This man, like all marginalized people, has to suffer the indignity of others debating his existence. Some of you know exactly how this feels. That's religious leaders call the man in a second time. He gives his simple, beautiful confession of faith. I was blind. Now I see. Hard to argue with that. I love an airtight argument. Let me tell you one story. Years ago, when I was a youth pastor, if anybody out there is in Mississippi watching this right now, I um, in Jackson, Mississippi, I was youth pastor, and we had, a, we had a student that was irritating his parents because he had begun to, frankly, drink a lot of beer. And one of my youth volunteers sat down with him to have a conversation about it. And, and I can't remember the person's name, but he, let's just say his name is Billy. He said, Billy, why are you disobeying your parents like that? Why are you drinking so much beer? And Billy responded, I like beer. I like the taste of it, and I like the effects it has. <laughs> and my my youth leader came back to me and came back to some other youth leaders and then got to me that he had said this um, and said, you know, I don't know what to say. I agree with him. And, now, kids, that's – and I see you kids watching this right now. This is not an excuse or a reason for you to go disobey your parents, so don't, don't run with this, okay? But – It's an airtight argument. And to say, I was blind and now I see, there's a simple way in which this man is saying, you need to deal with that. And then his boldness goes up even more. When he blurts out, it seemingly blurts out the following. He says, never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Bold statement. You know why he says bold? He's not merely seeing He sees and feels seen by a God of love and mercy, perhaps for the first time ever. And that is the seeing that will really change our lives. How has that happened for you in the last week as we shelter in place? See, the nature of suffering is to illuminate and to reveal. What are you seeing clearer in the last week? Feel free to put this in the comments, if you like, in the chat right now. What are you seeing? I'll tell you what I've seen. I've seen heroism on the part of those caring for the sick and getting meals to the vulnerable. I've seen a new awareness of how interconnected we are with each other, a real sense that we're in this together, every continent, every country, class, religion, race, age, or gender. We're all subject to this crisis. Suffering has an ability to kind of pull us into oneness. I've seen a new desire to be seen and known and be intentional about being in a group to belong a new appreciation for the healing balm of nature. You know, a good question to ask might be what do you appreciate today that you didn't seven to 10 days ago? You know, thoughtful intentionality I've seen this and thoughtful intentionality around people checking in with one another. I mean, my neighborhood here in the inner sunset, is finally getting to know one another. It's fascinating. What about what you were seeing? Richard Rohr said, we are in the midst of a highly teachable moment. We have a chance to go deep and to go broad. Globally, we're in this together. Depth is being forced on us by great suffering, which is, as I like to say, always leads to great love. How might God be calling you to a deeper and broader and more grounded life right now. In what ways have you found yourself craving normalcy, the status quo and the way things used to be? How will you let go of that and still be okay? What has that been like for you? For many of us, that loss of control is really uncomfortable. Allow yourself to feel that. Don't dismiss it and seek to reassure yourselves quickly that you're still in control somehow because we are not. Call on your pastors. Call on those that you look to for support to hold your story with you of waiting, of hoping or not hoping, of anxiety, of fear. It is through one another That God will remind us that God is with us. It is through one another that God will remind us that God is with us. Perhaps that's why the psalmist, after saying God will walk with him through the darkest valleys, ends with, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long, because he knows the power and necessity of being together in the dark valley. Someone else is maybe listening to this right now and saying, you know what, I kind of know what that powerless feels like. In fact, I felt powerless most of my life. And you, friend, are a great teacher at this moment. In fact, the people we know who have spent their whole lives outside of the systems of power or who have always had to rely on their revelatory experience and not the status quo powers that be, those are the voices that I'm trying to center and listen to right now. And we have the closing scene. Jesus says that Jesus heard that they had driven him out, comma, and when he found him. So in that comma, Jesus heard he was driven out. Jesus pursued him. Jesus found him. Jesus found him. Because Jesus finds the ones who were driven out by those who love rules more than people. I have a feeling, you have a feeling perhaps this week of being driven out. Driven out of our family, driven out of our vocations, driven out of our life as you knew it. Know that Jesus sees you, is pursuing you, will stand by you. Of course, framing all of this in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus means that we can trust that Jesus is always game to take spit and dirt and give us new eyes to see. Or as the psalmist says, to lead us to still waters, to restore our soul, to walk through the darkest of valleys and be with us. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, give us grace, we pray, to receive this. Help us to be seen this week. Help us to hear this from you right now that you see us in our distress, and you have an invitation that we would look to you and trust you, even as we hold on tightly to those around us. Fill us with a clear sense of your presence, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.